UFO round table. The UFO thinker and pursuit of the paranormal podcasts. Okay, so hello and welcome back to another monthly roundup round table where we discuss all things UFOs and UAP related that have been going on recently. Uh, my name's Frank, UFO Thinker Podcast, and newly affiliated with Corwin All Beans as well these days. And I'm joined, as always, by Ash and Greg. How are we doing, chaps? Very good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad. Keeping going, chipping away, and soldiering it's off. cold. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Very cold, just about keeping warm. How about you, Ash? You all right, mate? Yeah, good, good, good. Keeping, trying to keep warm. See my breath when I breathe, but yeah, apart from that. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So, obviously, Ash, uh, founder of UFOidentified.co.uk, and Greg, paranormal researcher and investigator, and together they are the co-host of the Pursuit of the Paranormal podcast. And wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking that as an intro. <laughs> and there you go, yeah. Clip it. Jobs are good. In. So um, we're also joined uh, today once again by UK UAP on Twitter, the Fire Crusader, the UFO Bookworm, the all-round top geezer, Ash. How you doing, mate? Hi, Frank. Yeah, very good. Thanks, mate. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me back here again. Uh, really looking forward to having a good chat with you guys tonight. It's making a nice break into my day here. So yeah, I've been looking forward to it. That's it. First round table of the year as well. Um, and for the purposes of clarity, we've already decided before hitting record that we're going to say Ash Ellis for the usual co-host Ash and just Ash for UK UAP Ash. So hopefully we all remember to stick to that. I, we'll see how I'll it try, goes. I'll try and remember that as well. <laughs> right. If all else and, fails, uh, just shout oi. Someone will answer. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see how it goes. It should be a good laugh anyway. And uh, once again, uh, we're also joined by the one, the only, crypto-terrestrial specialist, the researcher and analyst, also sometimes known as the ghost of UFOs <laughs> present, the inimitable Dave well, Smethurst. How are you today, That's mate? the best one yet, that, Frank. Very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can just tell you all, I've been doing my tax returns today. I've nearly finished them now, so I'm not in the best of moods. So just just, <laughs> just think about that. I, I think grammatically we might have a problem if I say, and what do you think, Ash Ellis? It might start sounding a bit rude, that might be, in certain grammatical contexts. <laughs> but anyway, grammar's never been my strong point, so we'll brush over that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you've been naughty at school and the teacher tells you your full name including your surname you know you've done something wrong then yeah, don't exactly. you i throw in the middle name that's the score for the whole, the whole <laughs> yeah so obviously we've got a few bits that we're going to be um talking about um but something that's basically pretty much just happened uh today is this uh the the mosul orb and uh so it's obviously a, a story that's been kind of broken on Jeremy Corbell's uh, new podcast, Weaponized, uh, using his his kind <laughs> of his classic phrase of weaponize your curiosity. And he's got this new podcast with uh, George Knapp, where, and the first episode actually came out sort of overnight, and it's pretty much just been a case of everyone's been talking about the this Mosul orb uh, on Twitter today. Um I haven't really had a chance to look at it too much. It's usually the case that when we've got a roundtable planned, something happens on the day we're about to record. And as usual, I've been at work all day. But I did manage to check out the episode um, 
when I was in the car, and I have I have seen the actual image itself. And uh, yeah, just interested before we get into the other topics to see what you guys think of of the picture in general. And um, obviously, there's been a, an article that's come out in the in the Daily Mail as well, talking about the same picture and some of the background to it. And um, I suppose orbs in general, really, because it is quite a you know it, it's a one of the the common UAP reported shapes and. Uh, so, Ash Ellis, we'll start with you, mate. What do you reckon? Because I was interested to see what you think of this one and also how it ties in with other orb sightings that you might have seen and, and you know, in your database and whatnot. So what do you reckon? Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, Comfy first. It always seems to feel like I put a downer on, on things because the, the way I interpret pictures and stuff. And like you, I've not really had much chance to look into it. I've been at work all day. Greg sent me, like, a screenshot of the picture. So I've been sort of – this is based off – looking at a screenshot of the image. So it's not been the best. I'm looking at it now as, we, as we're talking, trying to read the Daily Mail article. I mean, it's not much, is it? It's, I mean, <laughs> at first I was like, I didn't even know what I was looking at. I, I didn't know where I was supposed to be looking because I thought the, the, the blob was on, on the floor. And obviously we realised that's what they're referring to. They're saying like it's a sphere, but it's blurring out of focus. You can't make, to me, you can't make out a shape from that image if you saw the video with it i think that's what you sort of really need to be able to do any sort of analysis on it but for me it's blurry out of focus it, like i said at first i thought it was on the floor because that's just how it looked but now looking at it now it is because the background's in focus and this is blurry and not in focus that implies it's closer to the camera and if this is from is it a satellite or a drone that's took this picture i'm not i'm not, I'm not sure I, th- I think it's some kind of uh i forget the exact name but it's a surveillance aircraft of some type i'm not right, sure, okay. sure if it's a drone or just a conventional aircraft like but yeah spy so, plane yeah some kind of spy plane yeah it says intelligence recon plane mm. sounds like a drone i think that it does yeah, yeah. um so he, if this is going to be high up it's going to be zoomed in on obviously to get sort of how close it is to the to the houses so if this is zoomed in on something that's close up to the camera, then that's going to be even smaller of an object. So if this is just something that's a small bug insect that's flying past the camera that's zoomed in, it's blurry, out of focus, probably got motion blur as well. I don't know. I'm just thinking <laughs> it just looks like nothing to me. I you expect it with I mean I put a post on Twitter saying clickbait Corbell. Uh, maybe that's a bit premature, I don't know. But that's the only thing I've uh, sort of <laughs> mentioned it so far. But yeah, to me, you can't take much of it. You can't really call it a sphere. A sp- I can't even say the word. A circular object because it's blurry. You can't tell it's a shape. You can't tell if it is in the air. It could possibly be on the floor. That's my initial initial thoughts on it. And again, Daily Mail article eh, making a lot of it um, a lot of sort of implications about sort of knowing what it is. Taking a lot, maybe jumping a little bit of the gun a little bit with some of the wording, possibly. And some of the people on, on Twitter and stuff that I've seen just reading now, sort of jumping the gun a bit without sort of knowing any more about it. But that's just my my initial thoughts. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go into a little bit about uh, some of my thoughts in, in a minute as well. Uh, but just actually before I forget, I'll just add a quick look while you were talking. It's the MC12 spy plane. So I'm not exactly sure if that's a, like a something with pilots on board or whether it is a is a drone type thing but that's the plane anyway just in case anybody was wondering 
Um, but how does it that kind of thing um, relate to things that you get reported? Do you get many spheres like that reported across the UK? Yeah, you do get quite a few. And I think the difference is this has been caught on military tech. It's been caught on mm. military surveillance. John, look at it now. It is a manned aircraft, that MC-12. Right. Uh, so, like, orbs, like I say, are very popular. Site reporting in the UK last year, there were 80 reports out of nearly 500 that were orbs. So probably the fact that yeah, it's the second most common reported object in the UK last year was an orb shape. So, yeah, it is very similar. And again, if this was caught on someone's ring camera, you see a lot of them typing just like this on ring cameras or just normal phone cameras, very similar objects. They don't get any light of day. Obviously, because it is on a military plane, it does lend more credence to it being more popular just for that reason. But to me, there's nothing different in this than there is on what you'd see on the Facebook group and look at UFO photos. Mm. There's nothing to really make it stand out when you're comparing it. Yeah, I think some of that background information in terms of like, well, just the fact that it is from like a military plane, you know, instinctively you sort of think that there's going to be something more to it than that. But I think so I've not had a chance to actually read about the full thing yet, so it might be a bit premature, yeah. but that based on the initial reaction to it. Yeah, you know, of course, mate, and it's, it's always good to get your take on it, absolutely. But I think we're all in the same boat. I mean, it's literally just dropped today and everybody's been trying to... I mean, me personally, I've, I've said this about these kinds of things in the past. I quite enjoy it, really, the frenzy of everyone trying to figure out what's going on, skeptics and debunkers weighing in and everybody's got a theory. You know, as long as you don't sort of, like, you know, stick your flag in the sand and say, right, this is what I think and I'm anybody who's against me, you know what I mean? It's actually quite interesting to see it all unfold. Um, when I first saw it, I saw that somebody had posted, a, uh, like a, somebody, uh, Flaky on, on uh, Twitter, is like a kind of a skeptic uh, investigator. He'd managed to geolocate the exact spot on the map. Apparently there were some coordinates left on the image and he'd found the exact location and there was like a... Um, like a kind of a black smudge type thing in the exact area where the the sphere type thing, um, you know, is in the in the actual picture that uh, that's been released. So a lot of people immediately started saying, "Well, it, it could well be a hole in the ground that's got water in it on this particular day, and then it's showing reflections." But then there were other debunkers like um, Mick West, everyone's favourite, who uh, basically went through the focus settings and whatnot and was able to figure out that, in his opinion, it, it wasn't on the ground. It was actually in the mid-ground, like you said, Ash, because uh, otherwise if it was on the ground, it would have looked a little bit differently on the camera because of the focus and that kind of thing. And then obviously he started going into various theories about um, you know, balloons and things like that, like metallic balloons and whatnot. Um, but I think um, you know, one of the... One of the things that that I sort of took on board with it is is the is the the image just being a still from a bigger uh, video, and I think that is the key thing, and that's what kind of you were saying there. Whatever we think it is, that that video would be key, and I'm I'm not so hundred percent sure exactly if Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp have that video or if they've just been sent a still. Perhaps they actually. Um, you know, trust the person who sent it, and they they have verified that they have seen the actual the, the rest of the footage because that would be the key thing. I mean, especially if there's the full footage clearly shows the object moving and it's doing something that couldn't be a balloon or something like that. All of a sudden, it becomes a lot more interesting. But yeah, it's um, 
And we're just going to have to wait and see. As I say, I, I quite enjoy seeing it all unfold. It's intriguing. It's a bit of a mystery. Um, but yeah, I think there's still pieces of the puzzle to, to come together yet on this still. But um, did you want to say something there, Greg? Yeah, I was just to add that um, when I was, I'd obviously screen grabbed it. I sent it to Ash earlier and he was obviously downplaying it as normal. And um, But it said that there is a still from a four-second full motion video clip which um sh- is apparently shows it for one second as it flies alongside the spy plane so it would suggest that it's a lot higher up than just near the floor but like you say the the image is probably says more that of what it's not than what it is it's it's one of those ones where it just asks or gives more questions out than it answers. And like you've just said, it could be some um, water on the in a, a hole, or it could even be somebody just mobile phone and it's just caught the wrong bit of light, for example, like caught a, like a lens reflection or a, a sun flare off that someone's camera on the floor, where it's just a, like a mirrored reflection. Could be anything. And I think the fact that they've released that that photograph it's almost pointless from my point of view because it it's just sensationalized Jeremy Corbell's new podcast, if nothing else. And I think that's my take on it is it, it's practically not even worth sort of publishing a photo apart from getting that clickbait for Jeremy Corbell. So go on, Dave, what are we saying, well, mate? You got anything to add? For me to disagree with the two august gentlemen who are sitting there. I mean, at least you never stuck the boot into him, Ash, until you read it properly, didn't you? You, you, you know, you kept your counsel. Uh, you said you're in a bad mood. Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. You've, you've, you've already texted him saying it's all clickbait. Anyway, <laughs> I thought it was pretty good, actually. I looked at it. It was tracked by a military plane. It was pretty close. I watched Corbell and them go through it. You have got the footage. It's a four-second footage. Looking at it, it looks like it's tracking the plane. So when we see the video, we might see that. I personally thought the image was pretty good, and the blurry bit was around the edges, which would imply some sort of field propulsion, which you often see with these things. So I didn't think it was too bad myself. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about it on Twitter just this afternoon, sort of ruling out that it's an object on the ground, and that it's something else, it's all that it's a hole. So that's pretty good. I actually thought it was quite distinct, and it reminded me of a few other things. It reminded me of the splashdown one. You know, in that photograph, that word they say splash. And a few we've seen a few of those orbs in very different settings. So I actually thought it was uh, pretty good. And because it's from a military plane, if they can verify it, and they can verify the data, which I'm going on the assumption they can, and it's not some sort, I don't think it didn't look like water to me. I mean, Wes said it was a, a metallic mylar balloon, water, parallax. It was like some sort of updated version of the Men in Black thing from Tommy Lee Jones, you know, swamp gas, this, that, all the modern cobblers that he comes out with. Although that's not to say those explanations of cobblers that it's only just sounded like he was reaching to me anyway. So uh, I, I personally think... Uh, I really, I did quite like it. And I think the early efforts to debunk it have not been that successful. Uh, and I think if it checks out, it could be pretty significant. Because if it is a proper object of that size, 
I mean, we clearly think there's some sort of reconnaissance vehicle, so they've got a reconnaissance function. That seems to be where people are going. And if it is moving, it's got no means of propulsion. Uh, what is it? It's pretty, and it's on military equipment. You know, it's not somebody snapping it, you know, who we don't know. So I think it could be quite significant myself. So I would disagree. But then again, I've not got uh, the on-the-ground experience. But I, I was pretty impressed with it, and I was sort of thought they were right to put it out. Because if you listen, if you watch the podcast, it was a bit of an opening podcast, and they're teasing us a little bit with, uh, you know, with what the, the clips they've got. But listening to them, they've got quite a lot of information which they're going to put out, so it could get quite interesting. And it is an interesting thing because we got into that a bit, didn't we? Clickbait just was it just after Christmas? Uh, and I'm more serious now. I'm not. I'm, it's when I mean I think he's entitled to promote his show, Cabell, and make it interesting. It's just whether, and, and he is a bit of a showman, but I think it could be quite a good show, this, and it'll get eyes on the subject. I suppose it's whether there's exploitation going on, which we have discussed in the past, and that's probably the test, and we might not know that until all the facts are out. But anyway, so that's a different view. I was pretty impressed by it, but I can see why the other guys aren't as impressed with it. So I, wouldn't, I was only joking before with Ash. I can see what his point of view there. Yeah, I think it's it's one of them where I kind of see it as a bit of a, a starting point, you know, and um, maybe we will see some more things coming out, perhaps even the footage, you know, that would be, I mean, the ideal thing, I, I've done bits of, of investigating cases and things like that, and, and you need all the information at hand, like the full footage, the original source footage, not just a still from an image, ideally testimony as well i mean obviously you do this kind of stuff all the time ash so you, you know you know what i'm talking about and i think it's fair to say that there could have been perhaps a little bit more of that kind of thing however on the other hand it's it, as a starting point it's intriguing and it's got people talking and you know so there's kind of different ways to look at it what do you reckon the other ash yeah, it's certainly interesting. Um, just getting to your point there, it's like trying to solve a murder with just a murder <laughs> weapon, isn't it? Like, you know, people are coming to conclusions without having the full picture. So I'm with you on that one, Frank. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I think we, you know, need to put it into context, really. What's the context of it? As Dave touched upon, you know, it's come from a, a military platform, you know, an ISR platform, intelligence surveillance reconnaissance platform. So it's going to have really decent kit on board. You know, we're not talking like it's, it's just been recorded on someone's iPhone. Um so you'd like to think the military systems are actually classifying those objects and they're able to filter out what it is and what it isn't. And if it's if it's kind of bamboozling the experts in the military, then it's probably worth um, worth a look at. Um, but that's if we trust what we're being told, which obviously we have no way of verifying that. So I think for now, yeah, it's interesting, but without the full clip and without that contextual information surrounding it, it's really hard to make any firm judgment on it, really. Um, one thing I did want to say, though, is... I saw something on Twitter as well with Vinnie Adams, um, Disclosure Team. Shout out to Vinnie Adams. Great guy. Um, he's he's put a tweet up there saying apparently he's had an anomalous source get in touch with him uh, saying that they saw a similar object or saw a video of a similar object um, when they were serving in the military um, at Qatar Air Base. And apparently this clip was from, again, in a war zone in Syria back in 2015. So, I mean, got to take that face value. There's no way of confirming that source if they're anomalous. But it does seem to indicate that perhaps these things are being seen more regularly than than we're aware of um so yeah just just thought i'd uh, throw that in there see what people think but um yeah i think watch this space really without that without the video clip if we ever see it we may not it may be a classified system it may be a class the video itself may be classified or the system that's that's used to take it so we may never see it this may be all we have 
Um, is it a little teaser to get everyone to look at their uh, look at their podcast and listen to their podcast? Perhaps, but you go as Dave said, you know, you've you've got to market these things in the way that it's going to get interest. So I, I don't begrudge him doing that, but. Um, yeah, let's see what happens. Let's, let's not jump to conclusions like some people have. Oh, sorry. And then the one thing, other thing I did want to say was this whole water theory and we've geolocated it and, you know, this is the aerial shot, the satellite image. I mean, do we even know what, what date it was taken on, the, the original image? Do we know when the satellite image that the person's looked on Google was taken? I mean, they get updated a lot of, a lot of times throughout the year in some locations. So it may well be that it's an old it's an old aerial satellite image shot that, we that, that you know, it could be anything on the ground. So... I don't know how people can jump to conclusions that quickly. That's my take on it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think that was what was quite interesting to see sort of evolve throughout the course of the day as well. Because originally people said, "Oh, it's a hole in the ground full of water," and then what what I was saying, I was talking to a few people on Twitter about this. Is it doesn't really look like the right shape and size for a hole in the ground anyway because it's quite it's like almost the entire size of the road and as you know as you guys will know if you're digging up the road you dig up one lane and leave the other lane for traffic so that didn't make sense and then i think what it actually is is a few other people sort of came to the same conclusion around the same time i was looking at it it's most likely a black car in my opinion doing a three-point turn and it's like you say ash just one of them where that particular shot there was a car in the road at that moment in time and it's just but it is a pretty weird coincidence that there's a car at the exact spot where the the orb is though it's kind of it might just be one of them unfortunate coincidences that people have made that correlation or um, or is there enough or are there enough shots of that particular location you know throughout the years that you just see what you want to see and you find one that fits the narrative you want to push that's the other well that's that's, that's, that's true it? yeah absolutely and the thing is is that as the day went on other people found other images of the exact same location without anything there. So as you say, if you comb through enough Google Earth images, you may well find one with a car turning around at that moment in time or just driving past or whatever it might be. So another one, it's a really good point, by the way, about um, about Vinny, the person that had come forward to Vinny there. And it just reminded me as well when you were saying that, that Ryan Graves, um, you know, the, the former fighter pilot, um, most people will be aware of he, he actually has, has witnessed these things that he's described as a, a cube inside of a, a sphere um so kind of a spherical i guess orb like type of object and those kind of things are apparently seen like every day for a period of, of years and he actually uh, replied to somebody on twitter who'd estimated it to be about 10 to 15 feet long um i mean again that is a bit of a kind of you know uh, a, a quick estimate sort of thing. It's not a particularly accurate, but Ryan had actually um, replied to that and saying it, it looks pretty close to the five to 15 foot estimate uh, for the East Coast events. So I thought that was quite interesting as well. Um, and yeah, it's an intriguing one. Orbs and spheres, you know, we'll see uh, see what comes of it, eh? But anyone got anything else to add on the on the orbs? Uh, I think we've got a good uh, range of views there, though, don't we? It's quite a lot for the listeners to go out there. So uh yeah, so it pays your money, text your choice. I have, I have one more thing. Mick West, how the hell has he worked out the focus settings and stuff? He doesn't even know what bit of kit's been used. So I don't know how he can come to conclusions based on the focus settings and all that. It's, it's ridiculous. He doesn't know what kit was used. He doesn't know anything about those optical systems. Uh, yeah, that's what. What did he say it was? Has he said what he thinks it is? Um, I think Mick West's best estimate was that it's not something on the ground, um, but he thinks it's probably some kind of uh, metallic balloon. Right. Um, but again, I think, um, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see on that he, one, aren't we, really? He didn't uh, rule out a drop of water, though, as well. 
and he said something about a parallax view. So that's where it's getting started to get a little hilarious, really. But there you go. I mean, I, I'm not a great lover of Mr. West, so maybe I'm being a little biased. I mean, do we really think these these million pounds worth of military kit can't filter those out? I mean, that that's just that's. I'll just leave you with that thought. You know, we spend a lot of money on this kit. It's going to be hard to tell the difference between a drop of rain. Uh, or an insect or so. anyway yeah. i think frank you should make a bit of ufo thinker and uh, uh humble pie and uh, if any of us turn out to be wrong in about six months we can eat it live on the you know live on air or something like that <laughs> after it tastes nice or whatever pursuit of the paranormal ufo thinker pie humble pie <laughs> or like a revisited episode yeah i think i might uh, i think i might have a few slices there so i would maybe not i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i would definitely i think well i think we'll probably all have to have a small oh, yeah. slice and uh <laughs> you know <laughs> but you know at the end of the day the the full picture is going to emerge over time isn't it at the end of them we're probably all wrong about some aspects and that's why it's good to have the differing views because at the end of the day you know, all the people, the various people that listen to the podcast, every single view that's slightly different, there'll be somebody out there going, yeah, that's what I was thinking, you know, and, and that's what UFO Twitter's like. If you open up, to, open up Twitter and you scroll through, you'll see all these various different ideas uh, being represented. So, yeah, it's good to, uh, good to include all of that. Anyway, we'll move on from that then. Um, so back to the actual kind of scheduled uh, things that we were going to be talking about, which is that uh, January has been a pretty intense month overall uh, for international UAP-related things, although not much going on in the UK as always. Some things never change despite the new year. Um, I don't think there's much chance of Rishi Sunak doing anything to advance the topic in this country imminently, but I could be wrong. You know, Maybe they're holding closed-door meetings as we speak. But I think on the balance of probability, it's not very likely. So we look around the world to see what's happening in the hopes that some of it might have a knock-on effect on us here in the UK one day. So in the US, which is, after all, our closest ally, who we enjoy a special re- relationship with, has finally delivered on the UAP report, which has been long anticipated. So the report was originally due on October the 31st of 2022, which didn't happen. And anyone with an interest in UFOs has had to wait nearly two and a half months for the report to eventually come out. And in that time, an entire subgenre of memes and jokes has sprung up to fill the void as we all waited to see what was going to happen. So the report finally arrived and, well, it was definitely not a game changer. I think that's safe to say. Some have said that it was a total nothing burger some have found some interesting parts, which you know might have been a bit overlooked. But I think on balance, there wasn't really a lot in there to get excited about beyond what has been said in the past in the last report and whatnot. What was new, though, was the up-to-date numbers of reports, and I'd say um, that that does represent progress of sorts. Since the original task force cut-off reports at the 5th of March 2021, Arrow received a total of 247 new UAP reports and uh, an additional 119 UAP reports on events that occurred before that cutoff of 5th of March 2021, but they weren't included in the original preliminary assessment. So those have been added to the total and these 366 additional reports when combined with the original 144 reports that were in the preliminary assessment bring the total UAP reports catalogued to 510. In terms of resolving the cases, 
no more of the original 144 cases from the task force, uh, task force report were solved, which I suppose is quite interesting in itself, especially since we've heard that most of these had multiple sensors and there were relatively high information cases. Uh, in terms of the new reports, Arrow's initial analysis and characterization of these 366 new reports, uh, which was apparently informed by a multi-agency process judged by uh, judged more than half of these as exhibiting unremarkable characteristics, um, 26 as unmanned aircraft systems, uh, 163 as balloons or balloon-like entities, which a lot of people have had a laugh about that little uh, bit of wording, uh, and some of them as clutter and whatnot. But that leaves 171 unsolved cases in addition to that original 144 cases that were originally unsolved in the last report. And the new report states that some of these uncharacterized UAP appear to have demonstrated unusual flight characteristics or performance capabilities and require further analysis, which was kind of one of the more interesting points in there uh, that people picked up on. So um, a couple of other quick points were that the, the clear statement that Quote, UAP pose a safety of flight and collision hazard to air assets, unquote, which suggests that we're not looking at sort of sensor error and they're taking flight safety issues quite seriously. I thought that was a good point in there. And overall, I sort of felt that the report was worded very uh, deliberate, deliberately vague and, and ambiguous. But there are some of those interesting points I've just mentioned if you sort of look hard enough. Um, and also worth bearing in mind that this report was fulfilling the requirements of the previous legislation and not the most recent one, which was signed into law just basically a couple of weeks ago. So the next report will be very interesting. But interested to hear what you guys reckon about all of that. Um, it is a couple of weeks ago, I suppose now, but it'd still be good to hear what you guys reckon. I, th I think we'll all probably have some different takes once again. So uh, we'll start with you, Dave. What do you reckon, mate? Oh, I thought you might uh, start with Greg there. But anyway, yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, well, I did talk about it a little bit uh, when it came out, but basically it was two and a half months late, nearly three. I thought it was poor detail given the delay. Don't think it was what Congress intended because of a published document. It had lots of detail, a public document, I should say. Got lots of detail on the process but very, very little on the facts. So it was like some massive, said some massive sandwich that you get at some rubbish shop with a load of bread and a tiny little bit of filling. Rubbish. So uh, it, it did have the paragraph that was interesting, those two paragraphs were interesting. It had 171. It's, of the new sightings, just under half, they couldn't explain, 171 of them, and an unspecified number. They used the word some very judiciously, but that could mean any number. With unexplained performance. But that was really significant. And that's given that their new reports where the pilots are looking at everything. So clearly it's not going to be the same hit rate as the first report where it was just anomalous things they were looking at. It also confirmed initially drones were only 7% of the total sightings. So anybody coming out saying it's all Chinese drones now is like, has got a lot to think about. But for me, overall, if you look at the entire things that have been reported, 61% are now unexplained. And uh, so I think it did say something, but it was a real disappointment. And there was no explanation of those 171 elephants in the room. No explanation at all. They just ignored it, didn't say anything. A public report should at least go into non-classified detail about what they were, what the options were, and give the public something to bite on. 
that. And so for me, for Kirkpatrick, who, you know, I'm not a great lover of him because I think he's either doesn't believe it himself or they put him in there to try and nobble it. I might be wrong, but that, that's my view. Uh, I think he, that was his first big test. He just signed the act uh, where, whereby the OU, whatever it is, uh, OUSD, they're not responsible anymore. He's reporting directly to the heads of the departments. So it was his first big test for me. He could break the shackles and be truthful, and he failed that test for me. Uh, his foot dragged all the time, and he, he didn't produce that report. Now, in fairness to him, because somebody's got to be fair to him, I suppose, there is an argument that uh, this report was under the old regime, the old 2022 NDA regime, and so he had to do it in a certain way. There'd been a lot of fighting, and so maybe that was all he could produce. So maybe the next report is his real test, if you want to be very generous. And maybe perhaps this one, his hands were tied a little bit. But I would say he has got a... My patience is wearing very thin with him. I'll be honest with you. I'm sure he's really bothered about that. But anyway, uh, you know, uh, it, but it is wearing thin with him. And I think that he's, you know, he's obviously got to do better uh, along, along this. And I, I suppose he did a presentation to the aeronautical, uh, I forget what they were, but they were like sort of a flight, flight specialised people. I'm sure you'll tell me in a minute, Frank, who it was. And that was a bit more of himself. He talked about the threat. He acknowledged it was ubiquitous and real, and it had those threats of different elements. So he has demonstrated his thoughts about it. So we may see something different from him, but there's, and there's obviously still a conflict going on in internally. Uh, inside the DOE and the forces of non-disclosure and disclosure. I know I keep going on about that. I do think it's true. And I think uh, I think basically these two positions can't hold for very long. You've got Chris Mellon on the one side saying we're going to have hearings. It's fantastic. We've got alien material. more, And then you've got on the other side, Scott Bray, Ronald Moultrie, and this report saying, oh, well, I don't know about this. Nothing, nothing here. Those two positions cannot hold indefinitely. So I think we're going to see something happen at the time. And uh, I think it wasn't good enough, basically, and it's too much jam tomorrow. So I think he's in the last chance saloon, as it were, and it's UAP man versus Lex Moultrie. So there you go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it was the Transportation Research yeah, Board sorry, keep, uh, that he did that keep forgetting that for. what, it, what it was. Yeah, I don't think it's a particularly well-known organisation, to be honest. It's not one I'm particularly familiar with. But, um, yeah, that was I think it was uh, uh, the the 11th of January, I think. It's an American date format, but I think I've got that one right there. But, yeah, the Transportation Research Board it was. And, uh, yeah, definitely a lot more interesting insight into, you know, what's going on behind the scenes than what they were willing to go into in the actual report itself. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Um, what do you reckon, Ash Ellis? Yeah, I mean, I, I love numbers and figures and data and stuff like that. So we don't get too much, but when you just look at the numbers, like since the March 21, so you're talking 18 months or so, you've got like a new report coming more than once a week. And this is from like aviators, pilots, operators, whatever, seeing something and reporting it more than one a week. Even though, like, say, around half of them we've identified they're reporting it and there's a part in the report which says about the increase in reports due to the sort of destigmatizing the thing and it is only going to be just a start and i think when other maybe other pilots and other areas in the military 
see that there's more reports coming in, they'll be more inclined to report them. Because obviously the peers are reporting it as well now. So the figures are interesting. I don't think it'd be so high. I was thinking you might only see a handful, but to have like 200 in just over a year is much more than I thought there would be. So that's interesting. And again, the wording. So it's it's not much, but I'm I, I quite I quite liked it. And I know it got a lot of sort of the nothing to it, whereas I thought the opposite for once, where I thought actually I think there's good stuff in this and I think it's we've got much more to look forward to. Wow, the tables have turned. <laughs> I'm super positive about the report. Can't believe it. But yeah, no, I know what you mean. I mean, if if you're into like statistics about you know sightings and things like that, which is like I say, it's your kind of bread and butter, I suppose, isn't it? It's definitely it must be nice to sort of see that kind of thing taking shape. Um, I suppose like um, the numbers were sort of there presented in the report, but there wasn't really any specific de- details of the actual yeah. sightings themselves. I think it's probably what a lot of people were hoping to see. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of maybe we'll see a little bit more of that in, in the following reports. If if I remember rightly, I've not got the wording in front of me, but I think there is something that sort of suggests that those uh, 171 cases may end up being, you know, looked into a bit more. Well, they, they will be looked into a bit more, but perhaps some of the details on those might actually end up coming out in, in future reports. Yeah, so that, That's the thing as well, because they say they like, sort of remain unidentified as of now, but we don't know what the actually their process is. We don't know what or how or who is sort of doing the actual investigation into these reports. So we don't know if it's just a quick skim. Oh, it's not, I can't see that that's a balloon or something. So let's put it on identified pile without actually having a proper look at these reports. So until, again, just more information until we get that, there's not much we can do. But it, like I say, it, it's something. And I think, look, won't hold our breath. I think if we don't expect much, and if we get something good, then it's just a bonus. Yeah, you know, I'm a little bit hopeful about that 171 reports as well. There's been a little bit of debate. I've seen a few people talking about this on Twitter saying like that those, we don't exactly know what they've got on those. But the way I read that was the way that um, Bray and Moultrie talked about this at the hearing was that they want to basically look into the cases that are the most intriguing and the most compelling, that they have got multiple sensor data and things like that. And I kind of read the, the the way that they'd filtered off the wheat from the chaff as basically being like some of them that were, you know, we've characterized it as a balloon. It's probably this, probably that. And they've left 171 that are the most interesting. And maybe I'm being a bit optimistic there, but the way that they've talked about the processes that they go through at the hearing and that kind of thing and, and reading that report, I'm... I'm kind of hoping, but I think I think it may actually be the way that they're doing it, that those cases are actually quite interesting. They could have multiple sensors that have picked them up. It doesn't specifically say that, but if you think about what they've said in the past at the hearing as to how they're approaching this, it could well be the case. Um, there's been a lot of debate where people have saying that, you know, they haven't specifically said they've got multiple sensor data on those cases, which they didn't. They didn't say that explicitly in the report, but... We'll find out as time goes along, I suppose. What do hopefully, you reckon? Hopefully. What do you reckon the other ash? Yeah, I mean, look, it's fulfilled. It's fulfilled the requirement it needed to do, isn't it? It's ticked the box. Um, I think, alluding back to what Dave, sorry, going back to what Dave alluded to, you know, the, the next report is kind of the one we, we need to judge them by, really, because that's got the new legislation in there. Um, 
yeah, I mean, a lot of it was redacted. It was completely as expected from my point of view. Wasn't expecting it to be earth shattering. Um, you've kind of got to go line by line and pick out those salient points. Like, like Ash was just saying, you know, there was some interesting stuff in there if you pick those bits out. Um, I mean, the bits that I found quite interesting was the, the mention of the kind of ongoing collaboration with international partners. Uh, you know, I'm always interested in things from a UK perspective and, and obviously being sort of closest allies with the US. Um, I'd, I, would, I would imagine there's some UK involvement there, and particularly as it mentioned Five Eyes as well. Obviously, we're, we're a key component of that uh, and a key strategic ally. And, and the way it said, I think the words were maintained communication with international partners or something like that, or international, I've got the word in here. Yeah, ODNI and Arrow have maintained communication with our allied partners. So that suggests that it's not, you know, this isn't something new. This isn't a new function. They've been doing it for some time. So it would be really interesting to to find out what that is and, and where in the UK kind of uh, intelligence community that that's landing. Um, because, yeah, as we all know, they've been uh, deathly silent on this um, for, for some time. So, yeah, there were some interesting bits in there. The international bit is, you know, particularly of interest to me. Um, but let's let's see what they come back with on, on the next report. I think I think we need to judge them by that, really, and, and moving forward, that kind of needs to set the goal, set the standard, really, and, and, and we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, let's see what happens. I don't know. I, I wasn't expecting too much. It kind of, for me, it ticked the boxes, what it was meant to do, and yeah, let's, let's move on. I'm sure there's, there's better stuff coming, hopefully. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting year. I mean, there's been a lot of talk on, on Twitter. 2023 is going to be a, a mega year and all this kind of thing. Some of that might be a little bit overblown. But having said that, I do think there are a lot of very interesting areas to keep an eye on. Um, I think Is it the end of June, the next report's due? Um, if, I, if I remember yeah, that is. rightly, it's either June or... Yeah, so I think it's the, the right at the end of June. So are, are we going to see it in June? based off the way this has gone, you know, perhaps not, but certainly this year I would expect that we will see another report. So um, we'll see what, what they make of them other other cases and, and what else they, they reveal in that one. What do you reckon, Greg? Are you all feeling hopeful? Well, yeah. So I think you guys covered most of it. I, I was going through it and I picked out a few bits that from like the, the normal person who is not the UFO expert like you guys are. Um that that sprung sort of out of the page to me um that even on page one where they talked about uap events continue to occur in restricted or sensitive aerospace so again they're, they're recognizing that but also that says that that may be a collection bias just due to where they're getting the information from so it could still be that they're elsewhere but because the reports are coming in from people who are concentrating their collection of data from those areas that that's like collection bias um it also still highlights not only the safety of flight concern but also adversary collection activity so they're still not ruling out foreign adversaries although it doesn't say foreign adversary this time it just says adversary so um but i do think if it was foreign adversary like china or russia we would have known about it by now because I don't think, as we've mentioned on previous roundtables, that if Putin had some kind of technology like this, I think he'd be showing it off to the world by now uh, and we'd have all been annihilated. So I don't think it's that. Um, I was also interested where he talked about the different agencies that were involved. NASA was mentioned and that no NASA have got their, their own sort of thing going on. So it was interesting to see 
NASA mentioned there from my point of view. Um, then going on to page six, it said regarding health concerns. Now, there was different ways that you could take this. It says regarding health concerns, there have been no encounters with UAP confirmed to contribute directly to adverse health-related effects to the observer. So are they suggesting that there have been encounters with UAP, but because they haven't resulted in sickness or or any kind of health-related issue, that's how they can word it by saying that no encounter has caused health-related issues. So I don't know if that's so – maybe that's just me reading more into it than I probably should be. Yeah, I think I th- I'd, I'd brought a little note about that, actually. I think, um, you know, it, so the the way that the quote uh, was in, in the actual report was, um, quote, regarding health concerns that there have also been no encounters with UAP confirmed to contribute directly to adverse health-related effects to the observers, unquote. So, yeah, it's a weird one. I, I mean, I took that as a bit of an example of, like, tricky wording because, like, this report is is you know relating to the findings of this office, which is pretty newly established, and there are, there have been pretty well documented cases of of health effects in general, you know. But this office probably hasn't got that data, you know. The data exists, but just not within the holdings of the task force, as Bray said. I think he said something about um, crash debris. Uh, he was asked about, you know, uh, crashed vehicles or technology, and he said there are no retrieved materials within the holdings of the task force. Well, it's like nobody thought that the task force has got a saucer in the back, did they? You know what I mean? There's like two blokes. I don't think they're going to have <laughs> have really got all that stuff in there. So yeah, I sort of took it as um, it, it, it's relating specifically to the cases that have been reported that there aren't any. Um, and again, there's loads of wording in there, like contribute directly. What so has there been indirect, you know, health mm-hmm. concerns caused by these things? And and as I say, I think it does relate specifically to, you know, the ones that have been reported to this office. Um, and most of those are probably going to be quite distant, I would imagine anyway, um, and quite different to some of the more historic ones. I think uh, Kit Green and Gary Nolan probably beg to differ in, in the bigger picture as to whether or not there's been, you know, documented cases. But um, yeah. It all depends, kind of how you how you uh, interpret the wording, and I think it's sort of in some cases deliberately vague for that reason. So you can basically just take what you want from it, sort of thing, in a way, isn't it? You know. Anything else you wanted to add, Greg? No, that was it mainly. It was that was it. Um, it was an interesting report for me. It was very wordy, I must say, and a lot of it I had to reread a few times because it seemed to be a lot more jargon in it this time. But um, yeah, I. I think from those bits that I've pulled out, it was it was an interesting report. So kudos to them. Yeah, good to see reports in general, isn't it, at the end of the day? I mean, if someone would have said like, you know, three, four years ago that we'd even be getting reports, you know, we'd probably be quite chuffed with that. And they're not completely trying to downplay it. Like they did acknowledge that there is a safety concern there with flight safety and so on. And, you know, and like, like you said, uh, Ash Ellis there, you know, there are a lot of these reports. It's not like they've said, yeah, we had like five or six come in, you know, sort of thing. We're talking about like hundreds and actually hundreds unsolved as well. So, yeah, 
pretty interesting. Not a total game changer, but good that we're getting reports and it's not going to be the last of them. So we'll see how it plays out in the future. Eh? Anyone else got anything they want to add? Yeah, I was just going to say on, on the health effects thing. Um, yeah, I think that, that report, that this report has just come out, is obviously referencing the stuff like you were saying, Frank, it's just been reported to that office during that time period. I think the next one, if I'm not mistaken, is the one that's going back throughout history. Is that correct? Or it has the, the scope to? Um, well, I think I think that one's due within a, uh, a year and a half. Oh, so okay. it may be some time before we see that one. But, um, but it, it, something is coming, and that will be the more interesting yeah, one yeah. because then that, that could potentially touch upon you know, like John Burroughs, the Rendlesham case, because we know from mm. facts, you know, that the, the battle he had to get his pension through the veteran affairs and, and things like that, you know, we, we know for a fact there's people out there, and as you were mentioning, Kit Green, et cetera, that have actually investigated these sort of things. So that would be the more interesting one, I think, that historical look. And interestingly, just, just on a side note, the John Burroughs, uh, Rendlesham incident and the Cash Landrum incident where, again, other people were exposed to UAP-related uh, radiation, uh, although they didn't win theirs because they couldn't prove that it was, it was anything military. But... Um, yeah, they were just days apart. So I think there's a lot of interesting health effect type stuff coming down the line, hopefully. How much of it we're actually seeing the report as the, the average Joe member of public, I don't know. But um, yeah, they can't just can't just slide that one under the under the radar and, and expect no one to uh, be, be interested in it because there are historic cases, loads of them. But they said they look they said they look at the reports quarterly, if you remember. So what they said the secret ones are confidential ones. He promised he might look into it in more detail. So that was like the sop to the masses, really, wasn't it? So they might look at some of them. I mean, you're right, that historical one will be about a year and a half. But, yeah, that will be interesting as that comes up on the radar. And you were right, Frank Bray. He, he used that to great effect in the hearings. He referred to he very carefully referred to he didn't know of anything in that study when we all knew that study was about 0.01% of all the information. <laughs> So he, he pulled the same trick again. It's interesting listening to us all, though. So the consensus seems to be something, and it's a good start, even though it's not what we want to see. But I think it's a bit of a barometer of how this fight is going in, internally. And I think next time will tell us who's winning, because if you look at the NDAA, which you don't want to do too much, I know, uh, but the noose is sort of tightening on the ways they can get out of it. And so I think uh, Kirkpatrick may be faced with a decision. He's reporting to these people and he's going to have to either put up or, or you know, he's going to have to say, isn't he? Or he have to resign because his head's on the block if he doesn't do it next time. I'm pretty sure of that because uh, of the way it's written. So this report may be, uh, turn out to be our little barometer as we look at this. Well, we'll probably all be very old by the time they finished reading it. But anyway... Yeah, it'll be the, the round table episode <laughs> 364. <laughs> so finally getting some answers. Right. So um moving on then. So San Marino, another international uh UAP related thing uh, that's been going on. So on the nineteenth of January 2023, the Parliament of San Marino voted in favour to participate in Project Titan, meaning San Marino will submit a proposal to the UN for the creation of a permanent office tasked with the preparation of periodic global conferences dedicated to the scientific study of UFOs. So what is San Marino? San Marino is uh, officially the Republic of San Marino, also known as uh, the most serene republic of San Marino is the fifth smallest country in the world, apparently, 
and uh, a European microstate in in southern Europe, enclaved by Italy. Um, a little bit like the Vatican, where it's kind of legally its own country and makes its own laws and whatnot. And it's located uh, in the northeastern side of the Apennine Mountains. And it's quite small in terms of the area, just over 61 square kilometers, and has a population of 33,562 to be precise. So clearly pretty small country, one of the smallest, but if we go off country size as to who's the most important, then the UK is probably quite low down on that list. Um, it's quite clear that the UK has a fair bit of clout on the world stage, despite being quite small compared to some in terms of our population size. And as we know, relatively small countries can do a lot in the world, despite size. Uh, in fact, San Marino actually also hosted the International Symposium on AIDS uh, in uh, October 1988, where it sort of used its position to tackle a big issue facing the world. Perhaps it could be seen as a similar thing that it's doing now, taking a difficult issue uh, that, that means a lot to a lot of people and bringing that to the attention of the rest of the world. Um, so the proposal will now be submitted to the UN's Secretary General before undergoing a preliminary examination and discussion. Following this, the proposal will be submitted to a vote at the General Assembly. Uh, so it's not obviously a done deal as such, but this is just you know a good step in, in uh, the process along the way. And Project Titan uh, was actually created and, and managed by Paolo Gizzardi on behalf of the, bear with me on this one, Centro Ufologico Nacional of Italy. Actually, did I write there? Which is uh, Italy's main ufological organization and also the International Coalition for Extraterrestrial Research, ISA. And um, Paolo Gizzardi had commented recently, today the nation of San Marino has made a momentous decision, meaning the UFO phenomenon will now be discussed where it belongs, at the United Nation, the highest council of humanity and hopefully this topic can unite our planet and counter our tendency for conflict and uh, bob salas had also tweeted um here is a very rough schedule going forward with titan uh, mid-september 2023 will be the submission of the uh, san marino proposal to the un secretary general office and then somewhere from october 23 onwards is the examination by the un commission and then likely november december 23 is going to be the vote by the un general assembly so still plenty of steps in this process to go but another interesting area to keep an eye on so uh what are you guys thoughts on all of that and we'll maybe start with ash ellis if you're up for that mate yeah, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about ISA. I'm not sure a lot of people might not know sort of that organization. But Dave Holdren, who's a good friend of mine, he's been on our podcast a few times, he's the Birmingham uh, UFO Group chairman. He's like the vice president the, on the UK arm of ISA. I like to say ISA stands for the International Coalition of Ex Extraterrestrial Research. So it's it's obviously a really good thing, get the UN involved, sort of keep getting it, keep pushing on that global scale. But the concern for me is that side of it. They ISA as their whole foundation concentrates on the extraterrestrial sort of side of the phenomena. Like the mission statement itself is preparing for contact. And they're sort of what they do is sort of trying to prepare the world for when we make contact with extraterrestrials. And to become a member of ISA, 
they've they all took an oath to basically they believe that UFOs are extraterrestrial in nature and that that's where it's coming from and that they believe that there is an ET presence on Earth. All well and good. That's my sort of preferred theory. But when you're talking government side of things, it's hard enough to get them to engage when it's just anonymous phenomena. While the needs are saying it's extraterrestrial, we need to be talking about aliens effectively. So it's it's really good what they're doing. It'd be interesting to see it sort of unfold over the next few months and years. And kudos to Sam Reno for putting it out there and sort of taking a part in it. But that for me, that my concern is that side of it where the governments aren't going to take it seriously. That whole extraterrestrial sort of side of it is going to be a hard sell, even harder than, like you say, just UFO or UAP. So that's my sort of initial thoughts on it. Just a bit of background for people that might not know sort of what, what ISA is. Mm. Yeah, and I believe, I can't remember the um, the exact date that it happened, but there was a previous time that something like this was proposed at the UN, and I believe it was the UK or uh, Britain that actually shot it down. So there's been some speculation as to whether we might end up, you know, we as the UK, certainly not us on this podcast, but um, yeah, the, the UK might end up shooting it down and, and uh, throwing a spanner in the works again. And I suppose particularly with that, like you were saying there, the, the specific references to extraterrestrial life and whatnot, perhaps that could be, you know, used as a justification if somebody did want to nobble it. But, you know, got to be hopeful that it won't happen, but uh, got to be realistic as well at the same time. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst, as they say. Um, what do you reckon the the other Ash? Any thoughts, mate, on that? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't aware of the the, the intricacies that Ash has just uh, mentioned, so that's quite interesting. I just checked the ISA website, and yeah, it does specifically say about extraterrestrial, um, so extraterrestrial presence, so it kind of negates all the other stuff, sort of pigeonholing exactly what they're, they're all about, which, you know, I mean, personally, I've got a very open mind of what the phenomena may or may not be. It's probably multiple phenomena uh, rather than one single thing, but that's a whole other story. Um yeah, I mean, look, it's a good thing, isn't it? If, if it gets a conversation going in front of on a global stage, in front of the right people, you know, at top levels of government, then I think it can only be a good thing. Um, but yeah, someone there's still a lot of stages to go, as you mentioned, Frank. You know, it isn't just isn't set in stone. There's still a lot of votes to to happen, and lots of different committees and and boards to go through. Um, so watch this space, I guess, see what happens. And I think it was yeah the UK back in 1978. I think it was Grenada that tried to put it forward in front of the UN, and it got slapped down by the UK. So who knows? Will, will another big player do that and just say no? You're not doing it, little San Marino. We don't want to, don't want to know about that. Who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens. But um, I'm hopeful, but I'm also a realist, and uh, there's probably a reason why it hasn't been, hasn't been discussed since 1978. Um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. It was 1978. I was just checking it. Um, and yeah, it was us. We're the guilty parties as the UK. And uh, I don't know. I'm hopeful. Maybe things have changed. But at the same time, you know, not exactly uh, putting all my eggs in that basket just yet. What do you reckon, Dave? Yeah, uh, very good point of Ashes on that, ISA. I mean, they had a bit of a checkered history, ISA. I like Dave. I think Dave's great. And a lot of the people are really good. So don't want to slag them off as an organisation. But uh, they did have some links. If you remember, China and Russia were very interested, particularly China, and they had the whole thing at Beijing, I think. They had the first conference. And there's a little bit of a worry. There's a lot of uh, ufologists who are good ufologists, some who are more on the fringe, we might say, 
going over to Beijing, giving a, you know, shaking hands with the People's Republic and all. It didn't look, wasn't a great look, but maybe I'm being a bit whatever funny there about that. But I did, but I do think Ashley's central point about, I'm, I think that's a really good point. The, the sort of model we've seen in the US of just saying it's an issue, we need to deal with it and not jumping down one particular rabbit hole or saying he's a really good lesson. And plus the fact, politicians can deal with the unknown and it's a threat. Everybody can get behind that. You know, it's a bit more different if you're saying from the back, it's extraterrestrials and that's it. And so I think that's a really good point. I think fortunately, though, wiser sort of heads have prevailed. You've got Paolo, what is it, Guzadi, Guzadi? I always have a trouble saying it. I murdered it last time on the Ghost of Christmas present. Anyway, I don't know. But anyway, uh, he is a U EU diplomat. He's an Italian diplomat, and he's also made links to the EU as well. So he's a very steady hand. You've seen sort of Lou Alexander getting stuck into it. So I suspect if there's any, well, that's a good point, actually. It might not be, but I think they'll ma manage that particular message and because if it's going to go to the UN it goes in mid-September they've got a proposal in they decided it in October it made the decision in December this is 2023 I should say so they're going to have to have something pretty reasonable no matter what you know and I think if they say you know the ET brothers are coming I'm exaggerating but they're coming down to see us and we better get used to it that's not going to fly is it uh, and it'll get knocked down easier than it did in 78. It was Grenada 78. And there's some unkind voices say that the UK did that at the US's behest. Uh, you know, that they actually knocked. So with the maybe, maybe, there may be attempts to knobble it again. So they, won't, they want it to be fairly fireproof, I would have said. So anyway, I think it's a really good thing. And the reason I think it's a good thing is because the US has effectively had a stranglehold on this subject internationally for ages. We long suspected the Allies don't say anything. They don't say anything in South America. The, the UK, the Five Eyes don't say anything. The Japanese have only recently, and it's all the US military particularly, or the Department of Defense and the State Department have been controlling it along with the CIA. So I think if this is successful, it broadens their... You know, the debate on that makes it more international and puts pressure on the people who want to keep this secret to do something. And I think it's a deliberate tactic. That's why Lou Alexander's got behind it as a deliberate tactic to put pressure on the people in the US to sort of open it as well as open it for its own right. And I do think that if Lou Alexander was some sort of government stooge, as he's often portrayed, and it's all some sort of vast conspiracy, that's the one thing he wouldn't do is this. Because there's no mileage in this for the US government or whatever. This is a threat to what they're going to do. And I think this sort of proof for me, when I think about Lou, I mean, I, I think he's on the level and everything anyway, as you know. But I think this is a, one of the biggest proofs of his uh, sort of credentials, really. So anyway, I don't want to go down that particular thing. But I think it, the thing is it's going to broaden that international debate and take it out of the hands of the close control and make it more democratic and accountable. So they either get on the shit train in the manner they want to, or they might see the train leaving the station. These are the people who are trying to control it. And I think the question for us is, uh, politically, on the UFO front, is this some sort of stalking horse, this UN gambit, to sort of get the forces of disclosure out there? Or is it actually a big thing in its own right, and it's a genuine thing? Because it could be both. It, it could be both. It could be one or the other. So I think it's a great thing, and I hope it happens. I think there's difficulties managing the Russian and Chinese involvement and the whole internationalism of the UN, where you have to do business with people you don't like. 
But I also think it may be a piece in this big chess game of disclosure as well. And it, it's a real threat to, to the people who want to keep it quiet. And So I think it's brilliant. And long may it continue. Uh, but there's a long way to go, as you all say. Yeah, definitely some, some really good points there, mate. I think it's interesting what you were saying about um, the, the UK slapping down the previous... UN thing as well at the behest of the the United States. I've often wondered if it's like a bit of a good cop bad cop thing going on with the United States and and the UK, where we're basically at the highest levels collaborating, you know, on this stuff, and they play the role of kind of being like, yeah, we're open minded about it. We're going to be more transparent, and we're going to do these reports. It's going to be cool, and and then. You know, behind closed doors, they're saying like, "Yeah, we said all that stuff, and now you, the UK, you can go and slap down this UN thing. You can do all the rest of it." You know, but anyway, we don't know for sure. That's the thing, isn't it? All happens behind the curtain of secrecy, so we'll, we'll never really know. But Greg, I'm sorry, mate. You always you've been last every time today, mate. Next time you're, That's okay. you're going first next month every Quite time. Right. <laughs> so what do you think? No, it's all good. Um, yeah, so San Marino is quite a, a unique place. And anybody that knows uh, and follows UK football, we've had some World Cup qualifiers against them and beaten them convincingly and had goals scored against us and their part-timers. Um, so they are quite a small speck on what is essentially a very big world. Um, so there was, wasn't particularly a country or a province that I would expect to ever come out with that kind of thing. But if anything can um keep sort of the uap momentum going i suppose trying to get a un conference in place is good however like you mentioned dave with russia it, i was looking into this and russia and china came up for some symposiums that were trying to take place in 2018 and 19 and then covid hit so there was a lot of Chinese and Russian cosmonauts that were invited. Gary Hesseltine was over there, I believe. Um, so there seems to be a lot of Chinese agenda or backing for a lot of the previous versions of this. And I think in the current world climate, I think Russia and China are not exactly friends with anybody else in the world apart from themselves. So I... I think it'll just probably get slapped down just for that because behind the scenes we'll see who the actual backers are and everybody will just say just knock on the head and say we've got bigger things to to worry about on a global stage at the moment but that's just just my opinion I just don't think it'll see the light of day but it's a nice thing to see yeah it's a good point some of the other i hadn't really considered that to be honest but some of the other global tensions and things like that how that could play into things like that you know the various reasons that they might want to slap that down so yeah but we'll see it's another one isn't it where sort of like interesting beginnings but how mm -hmm. it unfolds throughout the rest of the the rest of the year is, is going to be the proof in the pudding as it were so anybody else got anything to add on that i think there was a i think we must can't go do this without commenting on Mick West's uh, remarks about puny San Marino and who'd want to bother <laughs> doing one there. And it's not even a city size. And what a, well, I thought they were pretty bad remarks and he made a, well, I won't say anything that bad. I thought he didn't put himself in the best light, let's put it that way. And I also thought it showed for me that he's, 
he's willing to say anything to do down any sub anything on the topic. You'd think he'd welcome a UN study, wouldn't you, if, he, if he's confident of his case? Not try and do it down by insulting and efforts, because San Marino's a bit like Switzerland. It's been it's done difficult conferences or conferences on issues that are a bit more apolitical, and that's been its role in the UN over the time. So you'd think it'd be something he'd support, but clearly uh, not. It's a puny country. Not worth the attention of the mighty Mick. <laughs> Indeed. Anybody want to uh, follow that? How can you follow yeah, that? I, say, I don't know how, you, how you'd follow that. <laughs> well, yeah, just, just before we wrap up, uh, there's another thing, a uh, totally unrelated topic. Um, I think, actually, it was you guys who were, we were all sort of the same lineup at uh, the time that we discussed this. Remember that NIM-A patch, the um, the yeah, patch yeah, with yeah. the flying... What was it now? Was it a flying saucer or a triangle? Yeah. I can't yeah. remember. Um, flying saucer. Yeah, the saucer. And there was this whole controversy with it where, you know, the, the, the website showed the new logo and then it was claimed to have been an admin error or something like that. But just out of interest, really, I think I thought since we're all together, I might as well tell you about it now. Um, I saw on Twitter the other day, uh, there's somebody called uh, Shannon DeSalvo and um, they'd posted that um, when that uh, patch thing happened, they'd actually ordered 50 of these patches and the patches were actually listed um, on the 27th of July, which is two months before the site went live with the logo. Um, so, and, and they'd actually bought these 50 patches. They were in stock, and the, uh, the order actually arrived, and they got the patches. And then when they went to try and reorder the patches, they were told that... Um, they would need to let me just find the bit in the notes there. Yeah, that they would need to actually verify the affiliation with the squadron. So the patches apparently are still for sale, and as a as a repeat customer, this person was trying to order some more, but had to verify the association with the squadron. It's quite weird, that isn't it? It's almost as though like it is still kind of slyly the logo, but they're just not admitting it. But people can buy it if they're affiliated with the squadron. Very strange. So, hmm, yeah, I just, I just thought I'd mention it because I remember we'd all discussed that a while back, and that's a, an interesting little development that I just saw a couple of days ago on Twitter. In the, in the NDAA, if you remember, the NIM, uh, or we've been told anyway, but NIM are going to be doing a lot of the aerial stuff. There may be a link there because there was a bit of a suspicion it was a sly wink, but they're in favour of disclosure, or the commander is, and it was a bit of a sly wink to everybody that they were... They thought UFOs were existing. I mean, I know that's a bit of a leap, but nonetheless, that was in the air. That Shannon, what I can't pronounce his, I can't remember his second name, but I think he does the UAP podcast with Rob Heavily, the military witnesses to UAP, but Lou was on. Lou's been on a couple of times, and I'm pretty sure it's them, and that's quite an interesting podcast, and he's, they've got a few links to the military. So I think he'd give a couple away as charity things. So, yeah, he, he, they do quite an interesting show. And uh, yeah, so that's very interesting. So he's got a few good connections, but yeah, it's uh, that patch may be another little emblematic uh, little barometer that we look at the fate of the patch. Where is it now? Is it up or down? And what's it got on it? You know, that, uh, if it, if they're all wearing it, we know disclosure's coming. 
<laughs> yeah. The, the patches oh, are interesting though, aren't they? I mean, like, yeah. you know, you look at some of the ones that have come out of like Groom Lake God, and some yeah. of the test facilities and skunk works and things, you know, there's a lot of hidden meaning in, in those as well. So it's a whole, you could probably talk about this in a whole whole show in its own right, but they are an interesting uh, thing to look at. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, is that um, I was just checking as you were talking there, Dave, um, in, in the uh, 2022 uh, report, the one we're talking about earlier, it actually states in the beginning there that it, this report was drafted by ODNI's NIM Aviation in conjunction with Arrow. So, I mean, it, it's, it's not even particularly outrageous to suggest that, you know, an organisation that deals with aviation that is literally drafting UAP reports would have a flying saucer on the patch. You know, it's, it's cool. Why don't they just run with it? You know, everyone was excited about it. They could have sold a lot of patches. But anyway, the apparently the... Um, the the ending of that whole thing was that he, he uh, Shannon. I wasn't sure if it was a, a, a guy or a girl. So that's why I was saying they. But it's a guy, is it? I might be right. I'm just thinking it could be. I might be wrong on that. But I know those two guys mentioned that patch and had a few. So I might be making the wrong connection. Yeah. The guy's name might be Shannon Scott. I'm not sure. So don't set me up on that. They did mention it, but we don't. I don't know, Frank. I've just been looking at looking it up now. Yeah. I'm not sure now. I'm I'm not sure which, but anyway, I suppose that's beside the point. But uh, the the thing was is that whoever this particular person was told the the site that they weren't affiliated with the squadron, but that wasn't an issue in the past. And um, then they were told, "quote We're sorry, but because you are not affiliated with the squadron, we'll need to cancel the order. Please understand that we can't sell specially produced products to those outside of the squadron slash organization. If you were able to purchase before, we apologize because it was overlooked." So. Yeah, a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Cobblers. So there we go. Yeah, I don't know exactly what's going on there, but I just thought it was an intriguing thing to add to yeah. the, uh, you know, when we talked about it the last time. I mean, I mean, just quickly on that, a lot, of, a lot of these military units. I mean, it happens in military law enforcement, all that kind of stuff. If you're in like a specialist unit, you kind of will make your own unofficial patches as well. So it may well be that a unit's just they're kind of involved in that collection of intelligence and looking at those threats, and they thought, well, let's just make a cool patch and. It, you know they're using the supply they use for all their normal patches and, and that it could be something as innocuous as that but we just don't know it's interesting to speculate though yeah i suppose the question then would be how did it end up on the site but then that could have actually been a, an error and yeah, but it, it yeah, had a bloody knows? big flying saucer on it didn't it and then when it was spotted he <laughs> killed it didn't he that's just that's the fact isn't it so yeah i think we can speculate <laughs> we know why they, well i maybe i'm wrong but that's why they chopped it big flying saucer what's that Oh, we better get rid of that, then, don't we? Yeah, it was probably never meant to see the light of day on a public website, yeah, yeah. was I think it? you're right there. I think you're right there, actually. I do agree with that. Yeah. i tell you what, I wish I'd got one of them yeah, patches man. now, though, like when they were still available. I wonder if there's anyone we can reach out to and I'll get a patch. I don't know. They're probably going, they're probably going for some on eBay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> there, will, there will be after disclosure happens anyway, <laughs> <Yeah>. won't they? <laughs> anyway, right. I think we'll have to leave it there for now. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been good as always, uh, everybody. Thank you very much. Been a pleasure. Been fantastic. Thank really enjoyed it. See you yeah. next time. Right, nice one. Till next See time. Ya. See ya. Bye. UFO Roundtable. The UFO thinker and pursuits of the paranormal podcasts. Oh.